that person got their miracle or their healing from God, but we don't understand many times how that happened. The things of God are shrouded in mystery, which means that they will be revealed, they can be revealed, and God wants to reveal his truth to his people. But Jesus talked to his disciples and he told them, he said, I speak to them in parables. He said, to you, I give understanding. So whenever Jesus would um, uh, teach the multitudes, he would teach in parables. And you would think to yourself, well, why doesn't he just teach everybody the same way? Well, the parable is like the proving ground or the testing pattern. Listen, the Pharisees could have been part of the 12. Amen. They weren't the chosen 12, but they could have fed, been fed by Jesus just like the 12 had they asked to be included and want to go further. So the parable is to stop the carnal man from advancing into God's kingdom illegitimately. So it becomes a riddle. And in order for you to get the answer, your heart has to be given over to the king in humility, petition, humble yourself. I want to learn. I'd like to know. Can you answer this question for me? And only God can read the humility in the heart and open the door for you to understanding. Other than that, the devil could take over. I mean, he'd be, (laughs) come on now. Y'all know who that, how that rascal is. He started out messing up. Amen. I will exalt my throne above his. Amen. <clears throat> if you look at the beginning, like in the book of Genesis, you can see evidence of that him still trying to carry out that plan. The fact that he was he fell like lightning from heaven did not stop his agenda of advancing his throne above God's why because he worked on the man and the woman who had dominion on earth to work for God and so when he began to to question the woman and get her attention and get her to start dialoguing with him see you don't dialogue with devils you take authority over them Amen. They have nothing to offer you but lies. We're after truth. Amen. But in what he did, you see his agenda. If he if he got her to believe him and lie on God, he's exalting his throne above God's. He says, oh, he said, did he really tell it? Well, listen, let me tell you why he told you that, because he knows when you get as smart as him. Uh huh. If you obey me. You'll be as smart as him, and he don't want that. God's not good. He don't want you to have nothing good. Amen? And he's been perpetuating that lie ever since. And so the devil always wants to uh, exalt his throne above God's. He wants to advance his own agenda. That's why he works in our selfishness. Hey! (laughs) Because when you're selfish, you're like him. And that's why God doesn't bless selfishness. He blesses people who are like him. If you're a giver, your father God is a giver. 
But if you're like the Pharisees being a taker, your daddy the devil is a taker. Amen? And he'll take you. He'll take your family. He'll take, he'll take the, the toe jam off between your toes. Huh? He's just a taker. And so whenever, and that's your safeguard. When you find yourself being too concerned about you, you know you're in line to start helping him exalt his throne above God's. So you humble yourself, and then you're able to tap in to the life force of God that's dwelling in every born-again believer. And so God wants us to live out of that born-again life force at all times, and he will honor that life force. But we have to keep ourselves humble before God, and we have to, to make it our aim to be like him. See, your goal is not to have a ministry, and your goal is not to to blow up and, and be a rapper somewhere and, and have a, a, a book and a tape uh, signing and a big deal with somebody. But your goal is to conform to the image of Christ, period. You got me? And if we'll make that our goal, to let God conform us to his image, then we'll measure up correctly and God then can open up understanding to us and the word of God will be rightly divided. There won't be confusion there. And you will have a full understanding of the things that God wants for you. And many times God wants to impart knowledge and understanding to us, but we don't position ourselves in the right way in order to receive it. I remember the first church I was in, and the pastor had a very strong religious spirit. And every now and then he'd go on a religious spirit tirade about people that do this and people that do that. And he was describing me to a T. Remember that, Pastor Gigi? I'd be absent from, from them. And I said, what did he talk about? He talk about me again? She said, yeah, he's still at it. Huh? Well, see, Pastor Shirley had, had come out of the Baptist church. And Baptist people say, y'all ain't going to run me out of church. So they could sit there and listen, you rant away for years and not be moved. I don't know how they did it, but <laughs> they could do it. And so, uh, you know, and, and so you have to understand that when God positions you to receive certain things, you have to stay in position. Well, I didn't leave then. It was several years before. And actually, we didn't leave. We got kicked out of the church. Amen. And so, right, when they tell you you can have this time to do your ministry and you go there at that time and the door is locked, I would say you kicked out, right? You kicked out. And so people think that they can't sit under persecution and they can't sit under condemnation, all these things. But see, God is testing us to see if we will allow him. See, you got to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't get him wiggled down off the cross when he thought he'd had enough. He stayed until it was finished. Amen. And we all have to have our endurance to stay in situations till it is finished. If you're in a marriage that's not pleasant to you. Boy, everybody got quiet. I should have said that a long time ago. Huh? You will have to endure. You're under a vow. Remember, for better or for worse. Well, suppose, suppose, suppose you obey God and it gets better. Oh, I thought he wasn't going to never straighten up. Well, the problem wasn't him. It was, well, you going to straighten up. 
See, now we locate where the problem really is. God can do anything. If he has you stand up there and make a promise to somebody, you ain't doing it on your own strength. Most of us are liars anyway. You know, you go up there and promise somebody, baby, baby, you, you get with me now, baby. We're going we to really do stuff. You in them same three little rooms you were when he first baby babies you. Now you got seven baby babies looking just like both of y'all. and We ain't gone nowhere. You need God to help you fulfill vows. You can't go anywhere and do anything without his help. And don't go shooting off your mouth promising nobody nothing. That, you know what I'm saying. Y'all stop that. Huh? Can't find your way to the job every day. Ain't going to baby baby somebody. Promise them the sun and the moon. Praise God. Huh? This is true. <laughs> and all women like hearing it and, and all women will believe it. Well, see, you don't understand. Oh, baby, I understand so much more than you think I do. I just look like I don't understand. (laughs) I understand it perfectly. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now that I have your attention, 2 Timothy 2.15. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was free. We go on to 2 Timothy 2.15. You know, that's why vows are supposed to be made without any kind of manipulation. And, and uh, I better go and say that anyway. Yes. You know, you, you have to make a vow out of your free will. Huh? You, you can't be manipulated and intimidated into making a vow. Other than that, it's really not a vow. That person's being, you're taking, extracting a vow with somebody out of deception. And you know what deception is. You know, you don't, you don't get proper dating uh, conditions. You know, and and you start using each other, you know, just for your own personal sexual gratification. And see, that's, and you try to get a vow out of somebody under those conditions. Well, it's not their free will is not involved in that vow anymore. You got me? When you use seduction and manipulation and all those kind of things, you know, to draw somebody to you. Instead of praying, allowing God to let that person have a a clear head and an uncontaminated soul so that they can properly, you know, hear from God and discern and make the right decision at the right time, you're starting off on a bad foundation. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's not the way Christians are supposed to live and commit their lives to one another. There's always misgiving. Somebody's going to always feel manipulated or tricked or, or coerced or deceived or something like that. And God has ordained for us to have pure relationships with one another uh, where you trust God to speak to that person 
and move on that person's heart. I know there are many times like in ministry and churches, you know, where people come in and they'll say, well, God sent me here and God told me and then pretty soon they're gone. You know what I'm saying? Well, did God tell you to leave that quick? You know what I'm saying? And and it's because people are feel coerced and manipulated or something like that. They just don't have a, a desire to pray things through and get a an answer from God, get a pure answer from God so they can make a clear-headed decision about things. And then they can devote themselves to that. They can do their job with all of their heart. It's the same thing in a marriage or any kind of relationship. You have to have a free will. Your will has to be freed up to have made that vow or it's not it's going to be terrible for you to have to pay on that when it comes time to pay it if god's in it from the beginning and you both do it from your free will no encumbrances nothing uh, chaining you down and nothing manipulating and forcing you and and thinking well i might as well go ahead because you understand you don't make decisions like that you make decisions based on the word of God, the will of God, and the plan of God for your life. God has a plan for that person and for you. And how is that plan going to be worked out if there's manipulation always involved in everything? Now you go to get up and preach. I don't know why I'm going here. Well, let's just ride it out, okay? Y'all indulge me. I came a long way to do this. <laughs> it took me years to get here. What was I saying? But, but you know, it, it, you, you have to understand that God can operate where the person can devote themselves entirely to what it is that they're being engaged in. He doesn't want the devil's nonsense involved in anything to do with his children's lives. And see, if you, you, you start manipulating each other and, oh, we just love each other and I don't care what y'all say. I heard from God. Oh, you know, you don't need to do that to throw your life away. You can do it. I'll get mad at people. You understand what I'm saying? But see, what's the biggest threat? Let me tell you the biggest threat. And this is why I stress this so much because I love the, I've seen the young people in this ministry born. I knew them and saw them before they even got here. You understand what I'm saying? And and what I know, they're how their parents have struggled to raise them for God. Don't get up here and get a little bit grown and start throwing that away. You understand what that costs your parents something to get you as far as you you have gotten. But see, the biggest threat you marry somebody outside of the will of God. The biggest threat to them is that one day you'll return to God. They'll fight tooth and nail to keep you from them. You don't fulfill your destiny. They don't fulfill theirs because they don't know. You know better. They don't. You got me? And stop doing this kind of nonsense and and stay holy and stay right before God. I don't care how old you get and you ain't got nobody. You may not be. Well, I won't even say that. That ain't right. But you know what I'm saying. You You stay true to God and get your mind off of just finding somebody. Get your mind on God and doing something for God. Because if you get married to somebody, in order for you two to prosper, somebody's got to get in the will of God. You just can't play around and, and think you're doing the right things in God. Give God a little bit. Throw him what's left of your life. And you didn't give it over to the devil of fornication. You can't do that and, and still have a normal life in God. 
and somebody gonna have to get on their face and repent and, and turn it around and get on the right road god is a merciful and forgiving god but you gotta do this thing right or you're not moving you understand me you're not going nowhere you're gonna be right at square one until you get it right with god and when that person starts serving God, don't be threatened and don't start standing in their way and trying to keep them from doing the right thing. You take your hands off them because they don't belong to you. They belong to God to begin with. Let's stop all this crazy witchcraft. Everybody want to do something until you get a ring on your finger. Then it's like, oh, hum. that's the way the devil is. Them lust devils lift off of you, and you don't even know why you married that person. So let's just stop it. Second Timothy, I'm in second epistle of Timothy. <laughs> now listen, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody thinks they're in love and get hot and heavy. But get on your face before God and repent of that sin and stop this nonsense. Because if that seed is still in your soul, it's going to infect everything that you do. It's going to take a bite out of every promise of God that he's made to you. You know, Galatians tells you, he said, don't, don't play God. You can't mock him. You can, uh, Nope, 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 nope. I see it too much. Say yes to the dress. Like a dress is going to make you a virgin or something like that. They didn't got so, they, you know, that, that marriage thing is so phony. The white dress used to mean something. Now they got the hooker type white dresses with the halter tops and the see-through lace and all that. God said, you're not making fun of me. He said, you can dress it up, get white as you want to get, and in the tux and all that stuff, and the wedding party, and marching down the aisle and pretending in front of people. Hmm? You can even fool a preacher. But he said, you're not going to mock me like that. You're not going to make fun of me. Huh? You think you're making fun of God? Well, well, it's done now. We don't have to worry about nothing. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Huh? you got hell to pay then. Because every time you try to make an advancement, it, there, that sin takes a bite out of it. It's unconfessed sin because you think you got away with something because you made it to the altar with that person. God didn't stop you. The preacher didn't stop you. Your mama didn't stop you. The pastor didn't stop you. You think you got away with something. But you'll have years of struggle. You'll have years of strain. You'll have years of bite taken out of every single thing. And this sister agreeing with me because she know it, don't you, girlfriend? Amen. It's the truth. You know the truth when you hear it. And you share that truth. Stand up a minute, sweetheart. Praise God. Praise God. Who she came with you? Yeah. Now, the God's going to give you. Come here up here. Come on up, James. And thank you, Lord. Praise God. See, you know how to witness the truth, even if it's if it's a hard truth for people. And the God said, I put that in you. And that, that's that's his signal to you to speak. 
And you're going to speak that to young people. You're going to counsel them. You're going to help them to live holy for God. So God says, I got a lot of harvest out there. He said, and I want it pure and I want it holy. And that's your job for me, says the spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. There you go. Just receive. Drop them little hands. It'll go in better. There you go. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, she receiving now. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Because it hurts you when you see people throwing their lives away. And God knows that. He put that in you, sweetie. And that's going to be your message for him. Okay, honey? All right. You're welcome. Praise God. Amen. 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 Yeah, you know, a lot of times you've got to repent for way back. Because it is a seed on the inside of you and it's still bearing fruit. It's a ricochet seed. Every time you get ready to do something, it ricochets on you. You never get to where you need to go because you need to work that out between you and God. That's got to get straight. Got to get straight. Got to get straight. Praise God. Especially if you're a believer. You know, sinners, they don't know no better. But they still need to repent too and get that out of their soul so that thing works in your soul forever. You got to get that out of there. Got to be honest before God. If you, I don't care about me. You don't have to tell me nothing. But get honest before God. You got me? Do that. Amen. Praise God. Now, 2 Timothy 2. <laughs> Where are we going? Amen. So it says here, study to show yourself approved unto God. At that time, it wasn't easy for them to study, was it? Because they didn't have a lot of paper. They probably had some parchments here and there, but it wasn't. The word wasn't as prolific as it is. And he said, study to show yourself approved unto God. So if you don't have a paper Bible and everybody doesn't have one, how are you studying? Well, you're studying through meditating on the things that you do know. Amen. You're studying by meditating on the things that you do know. And so he says, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So there is a wrong way to divide the word. Amen. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. So get away from the religious people that just want to quote scripture at you and prove they know something, you know, so forth and so on. It just increases ungodliness. So get along with God and begin to meditate on his word and that's part of study it's not just reading you know a chapter a day i had the bible in a year thing and read a chapter a day and i was so busy trying to get my chapter check it off that i read it for that day i didn't understand god had maybe has something say like hey wait a minute chill let me show you what you need right now Amen. And you do it that way. And that's how I started out with God. And I think that's a good pattern. Sometimes he lays down a foundation in your life that it will carry you throughout your lifetime with God and and continue to do it that way. So God wants us to study until he approves of our studying. Approved unto God, and when he approves of your studying, then you will get the benefit or the fruit of that study. And the first fruit you need is understanding. There's a proverb that says, wisdom is the principal thing. And so first off came the wisdom of God 
through which all creation came. So wisdom being the principal thing, that's the cornerstone of all existence, all life, everything. Wisdom really is knowledge applied. So it's knowledge put into practice to, pro- to produce a desired result. So when you have wisdom, you have knowledge of things, but also you have know-how of how to do them. You know, there's a, uh, I always like, I like brain teaser things just because that's what I like. But there's a, a, a little thing they send me every day called t- Trivia Today, or I don't even know what, Daily Trivia or something like that. Well, that's just head facts that you can spit out because your memory's pretty good. You just can remember stuff. That has nothing to do with understanding, has nothing to do with putting it, it don't, I mean, if you know how many songs the Beatles wrote or something like that, what's that going to do to you? You can't even, you can't even get around the saints and that come up in a conversation. Amen. And so, amen. And so that's why they call it trivia. It's just some facts and some knowledge, but you need to understand that God is not a trivial God. There is nothing that he teaches you and imparts to you that will not be used at some point in your life. Amen. Now, you can't say that about all learning. There's book learning. I remember going to to nursing school and taking sciences as a foundation and all of that. And you get in the nursing environment and it was like, well, how many pills can you put in that cup in five minutes and get them out to the screaming patient, you know, in time. Amen. And some of them couldn't do that because we was always having people investigating and tracking nurses more. Some nurses more often than others, you find out they stealing the pills. So, you know, it's a real challenge for somebody to get a patient all the medication he's supposed to have. And that's really the essence of a lot of what that job was about. And so there's there's a practical application of all knowledge from god there is a practical application of all knowledge from god so these people we're going to talk about today were healed by studying until god approved of their faith when you are in need of healing study jesus the healer and he will approve of you and your healing will manifest it's a definite You study Jesus the healer, and he will approve of you, and your healing will manifest. You must rightly divide the word of truth. What does that mean? You have to make sure that your understanding is right. Now, how do you do that? You have to go to the Holy Spirit to get that. That's the difference between somebody like Oprah Winfrey, who grew up. She got all kinds of preachers in her family. You can see the gift and the calling pretty much is there. That's true with a lot of people that are announcers, public announcers, talk show hosts. Now you got preachers leaving the church and going getting talk shows. So you can see how easily they cross over one into another. I don't know how somebody would do that with sheep. I remember I would think sometimes I said, God, am I supposed to do this? For for the rest of my life, or you just want me to do this for a little while when I first started ministry. And I would see little faces of little sheep before me. And he said, you cannot leave them. Pastor Shirley, Nola Dillard, and with Avis. There was a three-letter. 
<laughs> like uh who was that somebody oh Saul no no um uh who was the the prophet Samuel as Saul what's that bleeding of sheep that I hear because uh, Saul always blamed it on the people what he did them sheep made me do that and so I would see them little sheep's faces and I knew I was called and I couldn't just go abandon. You don't just abandon God's people like that. You stay with what God gave you to do and he'll always keep you motivated to do it. But you have to rightly divide the word of truth by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to go inward and ask the Spirit for understanding. And that can be a challenge sometimes because sometimes you wonder if God will give you an answer. Sometimes you can be so clueless as to the answer. Like God would sometimes give me a title for a sermon. And I couldn't even remember if I'd read that something in the Bible before, what it was about. And I would say, well, well, let me do something else that's familiar to me. And then God, uh-uh, you say, you ask me what this means. He said, I'm trying to open up revelation and understanding to you. You can't stick in them same things you're familiar with. You gotta, you know, launch out into the deep and get something new from me continually. So I learned how to take a title that meant nothing to me and let the Holy Spirit help me and work with it. So I got something that was uh, God wanted people to know. But you're not going to always be able to work with what's familiar to you in the word. He wants you to get over into a realm where there's something fresh and new coming. Open up your understanding. Get your revelation out of that. And so God wants us to study that way. If you if you say, God, I want to be healed, but I don't even know how that's going to happen. He'll open that up. You keep studying. He'll open up that revelation and that understanding to you. So there is a reward for studying until God approves of you. There's a reward to that. Study comes through meditation and questioning God. You must question him and expect him to answer. He said, what did he say in James? If anybody lacks wisdom, ask who? God. Now, God may lead you to somebody who has the answer. That is very common. You come to church and it's common that you have questions in your heart and you put them before God. We call that expectation. You come expecting. God, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. You come expecting to get an answer. And the Holy Spirit sees you there and reads your heart. And that preacher will give you what you need. The other way that works, reading your heart, is that you hiding from God. And you don't want nobody to talk about what it is that's bothering you. And the Holy Spirit will read that too. Uh, is that a read? <laughs> it was a read, right? That's what I thought. So, uh huh. And so that's way. That's how he helps us. See, nobody knows that you're guilty except you, huh? All you need to do is say, God, I see that. I plead the blood, man. I'm just done with that. Can you help me not do that anymore? Can you help me get cleansed from that? That's how that works. And so, and that's part of studying. That is part of your study. To stay, keep your heart pure and holy before God. Don't let things build up in there 
Pastor Daryl, he said that is one of the major conditions for the things that we're asking God for, is there can't be bitterness, animosity, anything like that hidden in our hearts. It has to be pure before God. And so when you uh, have purity in your heart and you study to show yourself approved unto God, you will get your answer. So study comes through meditation and questioning God. The Holy Spirit always, underline always, responds with answers and understanding, and understanding equals faith. See, we think faith is some commodity that comes to us just by sitting listening to the word. How many of you listened to the word until your ears got red and you still couldn't get what you wanted right away? Yeah, right. And so there's something else to that. See, there's a, a God wants you to talk to him. He wants you to address him. He does not want to ever be divorced from his word. See, you think you can get in the Bible, extract what you want off those pages, and bypass God. It don't work like that. You've got to go through him to. People think they can just confess something enough and it will show up. That's not true. God has to release it to you. Sometimes he has to make it for you. You got me? And so God must always be involved. Uh, worship is one of the best ways to get him involved in your life. You worship God and his presence comes upon you and he begins to speak to you and give you understanding, begins to move through you. All of those things. He cannot be divorced from his covenant. Amen. It's called stealing is what it's called. And he won't have any of his children being thieves. He ain't a thief and you ain't going to be a thief. You're going to have to go to daddy and ask for what you want. Even though the Bible says that he already has need, he already knows what you have need of, but you still he still tells you to ask. Why is that? Well, God knows what you have need of, and it's set aside for you in a big room. But if you and he don't ever come into agreement on what it is you need now, he ain't going to send you the whole room Amen. at one time. Amen. He called Lazarus out of the tomb. If he had just said, come out, y'all, everybody would have got him. Everybody got him. Huh? Why did he just call Lazarus? Because there was only faith for Lazarus coming out. All them John Doe's that's laying up there molding, ain't nobody believing for them. In fact, Jesus is about the only one really believing for Lazarus. But it's legal because he was a man. Amen. Has to be somebody in an earth suit for that faith to be activated, come down to bless earth. Like blesses like. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So understanding and not repetition is the key to faith and all you're getting get understanding so if you keep quit repeating for a minute and start letting that settle in and let it simmer huh let it manate let it percolate let it drip huh 
then you'll be able, then revelation and understanding will begin to pour back into you. Amen. So that God can give you understanding. Now, some people have more of a capacity for it than others. We call them teachers. <laughs> you know, if you've got great capacity, you may be called. Or sometimes people are just wise and they're not called. We need wise people everywhere. Amen. And so some people have a great and then sometimes it comes through developing it and using it. Whatever you extend toward God, he increases it and gives you more. And so you're able to get more understanding by utilizing what you have. Many people, uh, the anointing gets activated in them when they get in a position to help somebody. You didn't even know you had that till you were positioned in the right place for the release of it. Amen. Amen. That's why when people come into this meeting, we don't let them, when the meetings, when I shut the meeting down, we pray the last prayer. That means nobody pray for nobody. Nobody go lay hands on nobody and nobody receive anything from anybody. Because the meeting's closed. The legitimate activity of God is shut down. Amen. I don't care if you think God told you to go lay hands on somebody. You hear what I said? I said, I don't, he's never in conflict with himself. If he gave me authority over this meeting, he didn't give it to you too. Because where were you when the bill had to be paid? Where were you when we had to pray everything in here? Where were you when you had to sew to get the meeting going? Where were you? Amen. Now, I'm not saying you're not called, and I'm saying that you're not able, but the open door for you is not here, it's elsewhere. Amen? I don't come to your house and tell you how to run stuff. I don't tell you, give me, a, give me this, give me, leave, because I want to do this in your house. I don't come take over your place. Amen? Amen. Disrespectful. Anybody with manners knows better than that. Now, trust me, if you got something and the anointing's on you, I will recognize you. But don't tell me you got a word for somebody and the spirit of prophecy is not on you. See, that's something if you sit your behind down long enough to learn something, they teach you that another prophet can discern if the spirit of prophecy is on you or not. So they can read. What you think? I'm just letting everybody come up here and just, it's an open door and I don't have no discernment about what you're carrying. And if you really have something for somebody. The Bible tells you, let one prophesy and the others do what? Thank you. If you don't know that, you go find that in the Bible before you go to somebody's meeting and have a word for somebody. And I do not allow lay people, believers, to lay hands on fivefold ministry gifts. Hebrews tells us the lesser is blessed by the better. Amen. The anointing goes from here down, not down up. Got me.
see as a as a minister those people carry responsibility for the lives of too many people inside of them for them to open themselves up to somebody that's on trial huh So let's stop this Mickey Mouse. We Listen, I've been here 30 years. I'm too old for this, all right? I love everybody, but I will put you out if you get belligerent. Huh? But most belligerent devils leave on their own accord because we've already bound that. You got me? They know they can't operate in here. Once they get exposed, they do leave. They try to have the last word, but they do leave. Man. <laughs> People think you just jump up and start doing things. You don't just jump up and start doing things. You know, you people leave a household of, of people that ain't even saved, and they don't want to save in the household. Now they want to go lay hands on a preacher. Let's stop this nonsense. Now, I got to go and speak to preachers and apologize to them. Make, give me too much work to do, and we, I'm going to have to deal with you a little differently. But I love you, but let's sit and get some understanding before we jump on and want to touch and prophesy to everybody. Just stop it, man. Stop it. Understanding and not repetition is the key to faith. And on all you're getting, get understanding. You need to understand as much as possible. If God is using you, you need to go back and get, your, get in your prayer clause and say, God, please explain to me. This is what Jesus did with the disciples. Remember, they get around him where, where nobody else was. And they couldn't get embarrassed about their lack of knowledge. Jesus respected that. But he also had room to teach them without interference from religious spirits. They came out of the synagogue in the dead place so that they could hear life. Now what Peter told Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, you going to leave me too? He said, where am I going? You got the words of life. He said, we've been listening to this dead stuff all these years. You think I'm going to leave you? You're the only one that's preaching life to us. Amen. And that's where you go, where the life is. Amen. If faith is merely a matter of copying movements, inflection, volume of voice, huh? <laughs> then a machine can have faith. Amen. The machine can copy everything that's human. If faith is merely a matter of confessing and repetition, then a robot can have faith. But God puts faith in our hearts. And it comes, faith comes to us. It is released to us by the Holy Spirit when we hear the word of God. And we have to keep our ears open for the voice of faith, the voice of truth, and the witness of the Holy Spirit to study to show ourselves approved unto God. So we have to mix the word that we hear with our faith and this decision to believe what we hear. Amen. You make a decision to believe what you hear. And that's how faith is birthed and is hidden in your heart. Psalm 95, 8 tells you not to harden your hearts against the word when you hear it, but you decide to believe it. 
These three people we're going to talk about all decided to believe. Whatever their motivation, they decided to hear and believe. So God does not care what motivates you and draws you to him. It can be hardship. It can be joy. It can be that he's done something good for you, just like the the, uh, uh, crippled man that he healed and he just got up, praise God, and followed Jesus everywhere that he went. Amen. So it, there are different motivations. God does not care what motivates you as long as you come to him. Amen. And come to him believing. These people decided to believe whatever their motivation. They heard and believed. When I was newly studying healing, I saw what Jesus did to heal people. And I attempted to get the same results by merely doing. And I failed miserably. Temporarily. But I humbled myself and went back to God and sought to find out the missing ingredient. And he said the missing ingredient is study and understanding. And he told me this. He said a servant is never greater than his master. Amen. In order to get twice what your master has is a hard thing. But possible if you meet the conditions. There are always conditions of release of power into an individual's life. That's why I don't go tell people they're anointed. Let God tell you that. That's right. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan of John. The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And the father shouted from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So when the Holy Ghost descends upon you, God is pleased with you. But you ain't anointed. Uh Over in Luke chapter 4, after Jesus had returned from a 40-day fast in the wilderness and been tempted by the devil, he stood up and read from the prophet Isaiah. that said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do specific things. Not for a new Cadillac. Not for a new car. But he's anointed me to serve humanity. When that burden to serve humanity comes into your heart, you will be tested by God to see if you still, after the testing, you still come out with a burden to serve humanity. Jesus said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Not when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Not when I received salvation in the Baptist church. But this day, this scripture is fulfilled. And that's the Son of God talking. When he was anointed, he knew it. When you're anointed, you'll know it. I don't have to convince you you are. We don't have to march around and sing, we are anointed, we are anointed. Until something fall, your tongue fall out your head or your brain fall on the floor. I don't know what's going to fall. 
when you're anointed, there are results. There's fruit. God confirms his word that you preach with signs following. No signs. (laughs) Now, guess what? Salvation is not a sign. Because they mess around and do something stupid after they're saved. And you doubt you really led them to the Lord, won't you? See, that's the one thing we must trust God for. Was the word salvation belongs to who? God knows those who are his. None of you. That means none of your business. But Jesus told them exactly what he was anointed to do. He said to bring to set a recovery of sight to the blind, set captives free. Amen. Bind up the brokenhearted. It's to minister to hurting people. Hello. Your heart has to feel for hurting people. How do I know that? Jesus had to feel. He said he was moved with what? Hmm. You know what compassion is? That's a, um, I'm going to mess with Noah, she got Gabby. Come here, Miss Clydell, your next victim. Compassion is this, folks. It's a big hug. Huh? Move just like that to take all of that away from them and infuse into them himself. When Peter and John met the guy at the gate, beautiful, they said, what do they say? Such as I have, I give you. You've got to know what you have. <laughs> You've got to know what you have. Prophesying to people is not a sign. That's just talking to people. Huh? Because everybody got a word for everybody now. You know what I'm saying? So now it's getting, the water's getting a little murkier than it used to. Because prophets used to be so intimidated, they didn't tell you even if they did know. Because we got ran out of churches. And then when we got ran out of churches and got in somebody's living room, we got ran out the living room. I remember that. Remember the, uh, the we, uh, woman of God, her, her husband really was a backslidden preacher they they didn't have a church anymore but that never stopped her from loving and serving god and she said well listen y'all just come to my house i'll open my house to everything and and we're in there having bible study one day and in runs there's two big german shepherds or something run through the house right through the middle of the doberman to, to a couple Dobermans run through the house, right on, stepped on top of our Bibles and ran right through, and the husband's right behind them, the backslidden preacher husband. You know, the devil don't want you in the basement, honey. He don't want you in a living room. He don't want you in the back seat of your car studying your word. I mean, certainly. Come on now. But now everybody wants to prophesy. Don't cheapen. Your father's gospel by trying to make it serve your carnal desires. Don't cheapen it like that. Cheapen. Don't call yourself something that God has not called you. Mm -hmm. Just don't do it. 
So there are people here who dared to believe or decided to believe and study. They studied Jesus. They studied Jesus, the healer. When I was trying to do the signs and wonder ministry without any power, God stopped me and explained to me what I yet needed to do before he would release that power into my life. And he told me, he said, I want you to study and never stop studying. And he began to put me in the path either of people or resources to teach me. And that's what I do today. Even today, I continue to study. I needed to study until he approved of my study, knowledge, and understanding, and then released the unction and gifts needed to get the job done. Don't ever assume anything in God. Don't assume anything. But always be willing to do more, understand more, and trust God more to get the results that you want to get from God. I'm going to talk about the centurion. Uh, the first person I want to talk about is uh, the centurion. Where is that scripture found? i got to find it now again. Oh, turn to Matthew chapter 8. I think it's Matthew 8 I want. In verse 5, you know, I find over the years that people learn certain things and then, you know, the devil will do something to upset their learning process and then you get gaps in their learning. And prophets, the way God helps people through prophets is we help to fill in the gaps of learning. So sometimes you've had something here and something there. And so prophets can kind of come in and pull everything together for you and, and and get the gaps out of your learning so that you can it becomes solid, it gets underneath you and it's strong. Cuz cuz God wants his people strong. Amen. <clears throat> so in Matthew chapter 8, what did I say 8 and verse what now? Thank you. 8 and verse 5. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, they came to, came to him, a centurion, asking him and saying, Lord, my servant lies home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said this, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. He said this with some understanding. This is what he told Jesus. And this is very important what you tell God when you make a request, what he knows that you know. This servant said, I know that if you speak the word, it's going to work. And this is what we have to, we have to get to the point where we know that whatever it is we're asking for God will be granted to us. So this servant had cleared himself of doubt that Jesus would do it. He also had no doubt that Jesus was able or capable of doing it. Because when he came to him asking, he set the conditions that Jesus needed to fulfill, and this man was certain that he could do it. 
these are certain things there's some certainties we must have and you don't just have them they they may not even be i was i call it pocket change faith it may not be part of your pocket change faith but through meditation getting understanding studying you'll get there if you study you'll get there because this centurion had studied jesus and he watched him and when people would say i was at this meeting and jesus did this and jesus did that and jesus did this this man listened intently and he began to meditate on what he heard and he came up with the answer or understanding which equals faith huh in hebrews eleven three, it says by faith we understand that's why sinners can't take over the kingdom because they don't believe you ever have sinners want to question you about everything and when if god is so powerful just go get some prayer and come back when you mellow you know when you have 15 disasters in a year and come back then you know what i'm saying but but you can't he cannot he cannot answer some things if if just quizzing is applied that's why the pharisee sat on the front row and didn't get diddly huh didn't get nothing i don't care how prominent your position in your seat is if you don't incline your ear and eventually get understanding you don't get anything amen this cause you on the front row and they call you doctor this and doctor that man don't mean nothing you don't incline your ear and you don't study sometimes your title will let you live off the praise of man and that can be a hindrance to your learning you see what i'm saying people keep you pumped up and propped up and telling you this and telling you you that that kind of thing blocks understanding so here you have a centurion a professional roman soldier who understands something and he tells jesus what he understands and so he says i'm a soldier of verse nine he says he tells jesus this he says listen i've already decided that my house is toe up from the flow up we got buddha statues over there and he doesn't i don't i don't worship no buddha that's my wife's thing you know what i'm saying you know i'm, I'm just there but he there i can't move buddha i'm in trouble with the old lady you know what i'm saying <laughs> and we got uh who are the was roman oh yeah we got uh zeus and no that's greek we got uh wait who's the roman roman gods oh man, man man i used to know them all yeah we got all of them uh-huh and he said we got all them statues we um we we be uh going with the temple prostitutes i got a couple one of them hookers up in them in my place you know what i'm saying and i ain't worthy so just take me out of the picture did you hear what i said and see we come to god the same way take me out of the picture and i plead the blood and you see christ and you can honor my request amen you can honor my request because i take me out of the picture and you see christ 
See, if he had come for himself, Jesus would have had to work with him a different way. But he came on behalf of somebody else. And he took himself out of it. He said, no, don't come on my, don't don't even come up in there. It's too messed up. And I'm going to tell him, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to confess it ain't right up in there. And I know I'm not worthy. But I'm asking for my servant who cannot ask for himself. That's the heart of intercession. Don't tell me God won't answer an intercessor's prayer on behalf of somebody else. Because I know he will. Amen. So you know that from the centurion. And he said, but if you just speak the word, I know he'll be healed. You know how he knows that? Because authority works. You know how he knows authority works? Because he's under authority. People who are not under authority, their faith doesn't work. There's no connection. This is like trying to get your lamp to work, click, 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 and you look and it ain't plugged in. It's not going to work until it's plugged in. I don't care how mean your pastor is, how mean the prophet is. I talk rough because we got rough people. (laughs) You got to talk rough to the devil. huh? He ain't going to move unless you talk rough to him. You understand what I'm saying? Because I'm not a mean person, but I do mean what I say. When people come into these meetings, they are under my authority to receive from God and not get messed up. Now, what kind of minister overseer would I be if I let everybody touch everybody? Lay hands on no man suddenly, thereby partaking of their sins. Yeah, you got me? So we do everything. I'm under God's authority. He tells me how to treat people. He said the devil is always sending people to meetings to come in and speak errant words. I was listening to a woman, a a highly respected prophetess. She had a friend who, she said, this woman was a dynamic businesswoman. She said her gift, and she knew this with a certainty. That's one of the things that God uses prophets heavily in is discerning gifts, callings, and anointings. We just don't walk up to you and know everything. But the hearts of men can be revealed to prophets very easily. You got me? If God so gives that. And she said this woman's gift was she was uh, uh, a giver. And she said she had a fabulous business. And she said her gift was to support many, many ministries, missionary organizations, and that kind of stuff through her giving. She said, and she went to a meeting somewhere. And somebody prophesied to her that God had called her to start a church. And that church had to reach at least 100 people within a year or she would die of a bad illness. And this lady received it. Got me? She's a giver to many ministries, but instead of her... Asking God what to do or something like that and being led someone who could tell her 
And let me tell you what the devil, he's slick. He will find a little jealousy or a little desire in your heart for something that doesn't belong to you. And he'll find that and feed that. Familiar spirits know everything about you. And there are people in the body of Christ who are not above pressing into the dark side of the spirit and pulling from familiar spirits about people. You got me? And they can read your your desires that are not from God. And that woman quit giving, took all the money she was supporting other people with, started a church. She got maybe a handful of people and it grew a little bit and grew. She stressed herself out advertising, doing everything, trying to get that church to grow. It did not grow. And she died of cancer within two years of receiving that word. See, God killed the support of many, many ministers with an errant word, a word that wasn't God. It shot into a bad side of her soul and destroyed her. So don't tell me this stuff. This ain't my imagination, folks. This stuff is real. One of the girls, that the, those three girls that were held captive in the house in Cleveland, Ohio, for 10 years, the mother went to a psychic to find out where her daughter was. The psychic told her, your daughter's dead. Don't, don't bother about this anymore. Well, the woman died. Her daughter was found five years later. See what I'm saying? See, the word of God will keep you alive. That woman was believing for her daughter to be found until she got impatient to know something. Huh? I'm telling you, if you're an obedient child of God, you don't have to run here, there, and everywhere to get anything from God. Huh? He'll bring it to you if necessary. Amen? So the centurion understood authority. How do you understand something? By being obedient to it. Amen. By positioning yourself so that you have firsthand experience that it works. And he says, I noticed authority thing. I work this thing all the time. He said, first of all, I am a man under authority. In other words, I don't have to have no power. I don't have to have no nothing. All I got to do is be cool. Amen. And do what I'm told to do. That's what people who are under authority do. They know how to be cool and do what they're told to do. Amen. Women hate the word submission. That was the, that was the best lesson I ever learned from God. God said, just to submit to your husband's authority. Talk to me about stuff, stuff you disagree with or you're confused about. He said, don't back talk him. Back talk my husband. He's only a husband. Yeah, but he's only the head of your household. And God goes through him to get to everybody in the house. And it dawned on me one day. I don't have to sweat about nothing. I don't have to bring nothing home, produce nothing, just stay in this house and be cool. Are you kidding me? Sign me up. Huh? 
and enjoy it and be respectful about it. But sign me up for the double. Huh? See, I can tell by this lukewarm reception here, you know. So. All that hissing and foaming at the mouth and stuff. Yeah, you're going to stop it one day. Praise the Lord. This man knew the source of his authority. And guess what? He knew Jesus wasn't operating on his own authority, too. He had a higher source for what he was doing. Because, see, they probably, he'd seen probably a lot of men who were very capable, but none like this man, because the Bible says he did all things well. He didn't miss a step. He meant, no, see, he got to have somebody, he got to have a higher power working through him. He says, because my authority works. As long as I stay under authority, my authority works. He said, I say to this guy, you do this, this one go, and they do it. That one go, and they do it. That one go, and they do it. And when you tell that devil, leave my servant, it'll do it. Amen. Because you're under authority. Just I understand that. So it's your understanding that God will go through and expand what you know into greater understanding of his kingdom principles. He don't start you over your head. He starts you where you live. If you understand how to boil water, he can use that to help you to learn how to, you know, cast devils out. I don't know what boiling water will take you to. But but you will understand many things just based on what you what's already in your heart that you know. He will take that and expand that and give you kingdom understanding based on natural things. Jesus did it all the time. He gave them natural like the parable of the sower. He starts with something common that people understood in those days. And he expands it into the kingdom knowledge to bring them understanding of how his kingdom operates. And so when we start to pursue faith, you must get understanding. There is no understanding without faith. And there's no faith without understanding. They go hand in hand. Now, you can be used of God and be ignorant, but don't stay ignorant because it will get you in trouble. Uh, let me explain, amen, let me explain something to you about God. He's a demonstrator. And faith is a funny thing. It's your faith starts out that way. But then when you put it in God's word, it turns into the faith of the son of God. And they can go back and forth sometimes. You start with your faith. You put it over in God and it's the faith of the son of God. Then the Holy Spirit can gift that faith with a supernatural to it so that it produces and you demonstrate the power of God. If you continue to live like that with no understanding, you're going to limit what you can do for God and you're going to limit how God uses you. Because most of us get like this when God does something. You know, there's that inner... But got to settle down and say, now, God, how did that happen? See, that's how God taught me because he taught me when I would just go out and just lay hands and nothing happened. He said, "Mm -mm -mm, you see, it ain't there, don't you? 
So you come back and we talk and I tell you how to get the job done. So that was the understanding aspect of it. He had to take me behind the scenes just like Jesus did the disciples and sit down and teach me and show me and give me understanding of how these things happen. When God tells me to start helping people to learn how to be in the ministry, how to be ministers, I can't just blanket ordain people. Because they went and got a robe and, and got a Bible and won't, and I, we sign it and I did that. And what is God has to release them into ordination before I will do that. And that's why a lot of people just leave. They don't ordain people over there. Well, go where they do it. If you just want man's permission, just go and get it. huh? But if you want God's power... I can't give you that. I can teach you. I can demonstrate as much, but I can't qualify you. You've got to qualify yourself for that. So don't put that on the prophet to do all that for you. Many times people get under this anointing and they can do wonderful things. I thank God for it. I don't take credit for it. All glory goes to God because I don't know how it happens myself. Because listen, when I get up in the morning, I'm ugly just like all y'all. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. Bladder control issues. and want to cuss half the time when I can't find something because I don't see nothing without my glasses. Huh? And then God shows up and I melt into God and it's wonderful. That's all I can. That's the most I can tell you. You got me? And I always pray for the maximum of the anointing that's available to me in this office that I stand in. I don't want nobody else's nothing. I want the maximum of what's available to me. And be willing to pay the price for it. You got me? This season, Bishop Russell, this season of being small has nothing to do with anything. Small in numbers does not mean anything, and large, in, and we're finding that out more and more. Amen. See, and what God's doing, he's pulling the deception off, off of his church and off of his people so that we begin to see quality of heart, quality of desire to serve God. That's what God, he's after our hearts always. Amen. If he blesses you with large numbers, wonderful. If your numbers are small and you're doing the best you can, keep doing it. Some of us are going to go out small. You know what I'm saying? And we come in and sometimes your numbers get large and they're large for a reason. In a season they're small, they're small for a reason. Jesus always had a 12-member church. He had 70 was running around somewhere, but in the Bible we see the 12 mentioned, don't we? Uh-huh. 70 was over at the buffet after Sunday, Sunday service. Them buffets be crowded after church, don't they? You know, some people come to church just to go to the buffet afterwards. Can you say? So the centurion understood many things about it. He understood, number one, that Jesus was not a Roman and did not worship their gods. He knew he had a different god. He also felt a conviction about this because he knew he didn't measure up like the Jews did. Jesus came to his own first. 
He also loved his servant and wanted him healed. That's the compassion factor. When Jesus meets compassion with you, he is moved with you and y'all go in and get people healed. You got me? He reasoned within himself that Jesus, like himself, was under a higher authority. Amen? You've got to stay under authority. I don't care how much it hurts you. I don't care if you know more than the, the person over you, which I think is a deception because you don't know more in the right way. You got me? You may have some facts in you, but you don't know more in the right way. In fact, sometimes you're wise to let go of what you know. And plead ignorance and seek understanding. Yep. All of these things added up to faith to make the request. Once you make the request in faith, you know that you have what you're asking for. So this centurion came to Jesus with a knowing based on understanding from his study of what he'd heard about Jesus and what he'd seen. So once you study what you hear and what you know. God can put it together and call it faith, and then you start moving toward your answer. You move toward the release of your answer, and it's not hard. Some of these people study from afar, and then we see this picture of when they showed up in front of Jesus. Some people came to a one-time meeting prepared to open their hearts to believe, and they believed and they received. Amen? And so there are different ways. But take time out of the picture. Don't make ever make time a factor in anything that you're expecting God to do. Don't make time a factor at all because that means nothing to God. God's not on time. We are. And if you get close enough to God, you'll get off time too. And you'll get into the things of the Spirit and God will make it happen for you. Amen? So he was certain of Jesus' ability Because it rested in someone higher than himself. So it's not you. He's, you know, you, you'll see in the Bible and it came to pass. It came to pass. It didn't say that person did it. It didn't say that person was, was instrumental in doing anything except putting his faith in God, not taking it out. Many times we put our faith in God when it doesn't happen soon enough, we put it over in something else. And we got to go right back to God again because something else didn't come through for us again. Amen. So keep your faith in God. Keep your faith in God. I used to, to gamble a little bit and I would see people start out playing a certain numbers. I'm going to stick with my numbers. Then they switch. The minute they switch, the devil make them old numbers. They go, Hi! You know, keep your faith in God. Keep your chip on, on, on five red. You got me? It's whatever it is. But keep that chip right there and don't move it because it will come through for you. God will come through. How are we doing time-wise, folks? Two minutes? I only got through one example. How you keep people after school? No. <laughs> Praise God. So studying, amen, until God approves of you. You know what? You never get out of spiritual school. Because the more you learn and understand, the more you conform. Don't go, just go to the Bible for something, a word for somebody or something for your ministry. Go to the Bible for you. Amen. Go to the Bible to, to God, just fill me with what is it that I need to know about you today? What is it that I need to have deposited in me today? 
And God will start to, to, to move you in the direction of greater fulfillment in things. He wants to give us himself because he loves us. That's the number one thing. If you never prayed a prayer or you never uh, led a person to the Lord or you never healed a sick person, he loves you anyway. He's going to love you in spite of. You know, he said, well, this is just one of my little special kids. <laughs> they just love me and they don't want much else and that's good enough for me. You see what I'm saying? But the more you closer you get to him, the more you take on his character. You take on his compassion. You take on his love for humanity and his sacrificial love. One thing I can say about ministry, if you're not willing to make sacrifices for people, whether they like you or not, respect you or not, call you by the right name or not, address you properly or not, You've got to love people regardless. It has to be an indiscriminate love. Amen. And it's got to be a love that's strong enough to keep you through forgiving, keep you through reconciliation, keep you through all of these steps that Jesus had to go through. We can't shrink back from any of the qualifications. So God wants to pour out his spirit, folks, on you carry that into the world and God will bless you immeasurably immeasurably you won't be able to count the blessing you won't be able to you won't have to to wait for things just it'll start to accelerate that's what i feel happening now in the realm of the spirit in every single way um anointing finances all of that is a package deal it goes together folks when god starts pouring out in one area he pours out all the way across the board And it's a wonderful thing to be taken care of by God because you take care of his business. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you. If you want to come up and we'll start praying for you, come on up. We'll pray if you need an impartation for healing, the anointing. But study, folks. Just, Just don't go out running around trying to zap people, yanking folk out of wheelchairs and get sued. Huh? You know, if I get somebody to get up, I usually tell them, I said, what you feel like doing? If I see them pushing on them bars and I, you know, okay, well, you know what I'm saying? But the yank is for a different kind of anointing. I'm not saying they ain't a yank anointing, but it ain't on everybody, okay? You start out by helping them up first. But come on up if you need prayer. Come on up here and I'll pray for you. Everybody get healed today. Amen. Thank God for your healing. Thank you. Thank him that he is your healer. Amen. Come on, Miss Tina, you can walk with me if we need to pray for people. We'll do that. And catchers, come on up and we'll pray for everybody. Everybody get their t-shirts today. If you didn't, Chuck will get them for you. Amen. After the meeting's over. Praise God. Praise God.